Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Just a quick note of explanation before we begin our reading for today. Today, we continue the new Torah reading cycle, starting in Genesis. This Torah portion is called Breshit, and it means, in the beginning. It is hard to believe that we began this journey one year ago. If you've been with us from the beginning, we have now read through the entire Bible in one year. I hope and pray that you will stay with us and listen daily as we begin this new one-year reading cycle. Listening is now easy for you when you are on the go, as you can now set up a phone app on the desktop of your phone and listen with one click on the go. Just go to dailyaudiotorah.com and click on the Get the Phone app pick on the navigation menu. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation, and today we continue the Torah portion reading for Breshit. Genesis 2, 20-4, He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, But still, there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she has was taken from man this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one now the man and his wife were both naked but they felt no shame The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, 
you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it also. At that moment their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, What have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And to the man he said, Since you've listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Paradise Lost, God's Judgment Then the man, Adam, named his wife Eve, because she would be the mother of all who live. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. And then the Lord God said, Look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take fruit from the tree of life, and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the Tree of Life. Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. 
Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs, from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, Let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, Where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. The Lord replied, No, for I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain had sexual relations with his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Then Cain founded a city which he named Enoch after his son. Enoch had a son named Erod. Erod became the father of Mejuhal. Mehujal became the father of Methushael. Methushael became the father of Lamech. Jeremiah 44, 24 to 47, 7. Then Jeremiah said to them all, including the women, Listen to this message from the Lord, all you citizens of Judah who live in Egypt. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, Yahweh Saveot, the God of Israel, says. You and your wives have said, We will keep our promises to burn incense and pour out liquid offerings to the Queen of Heaven. And you have proved by your actions that you meant it. So go ahead and carry out your promises and vows to her. But listen to this message from the Lord, all you Judeans now living in Egypt. I have sworn by my great name, says the Lord, that my name will no longer be spoken by any of the Judeans in the land of Egypt. None of you may invoke my name or use this oath, as surely as the Sovereign Lord lives. For I will watch over you to bring you disaster and not good. 
Everyone from Judah who is now living in Egypt will suffer war and famine until all of you are dead. Only a small number will escape death and return to Judah from Egypt. Then all those who came to Egypt will find out whose words are true, mine or theirs. And this is the proof I give you, says the Lord, that all I have threatened will happen to you and that I will punish you here. This is what the Lord says, I will turn Pharaoh Hophra, king of Egypt, over to his enemies who want to kill him, just as I turned King Zedekiah of Judah over to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. A Message for Baruch The prophet Jeremiah gave a message to Baruch, son of Neriah, in the fourth year of the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, after Baruch had written down everything Jeremiah had dictated to him. He said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to you, Baruch. You have said, I am overwhelmed with trouble. Haven't I already enough pain? And now the Lord has added more. I am worn out from sighing and can find no rest. Baruch, this is what the Lord says. I will destroy this nation that I built. I will uproot what I planted. Are you seeking great things for yourself? Don't do it. I will bring great disaster upon all these people. But I will give you your life as a reward wherever you go. I, the Lord, have spoken. Messages for the Nations The following messages were given to Jeremiah the prophet from the Lord concerning foreign nations. Messages about Egypt This message concerning Egypt was given in the fourth year of the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, the king of Judah, on the occasion of the battle of Carchemish, when Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, and his army were defeated beside the Euphrates River by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Prepare your shields and advance into battle. Harness the horses and mount the stallions. Take your positions, put on your helmets, sharpen your spears, and prepare your armor. But what do I see? The Egyptian army flees in terror. The bravest of its fighting men run without a backward glance. They are terrorized at every turn, says the Lord. The swiftest runners cannot flee. The mightiest warriors cannot escape. By the Euphrates River to the north, they stumble and fall. Who is this, rising like the Nile at flood time, overflowing all the land? It is the Egyptian army, overflowing all the land, boasting that it will cover the earth like a flood, destroying cities and their people. Charge, you horses and chariots, attack, you mighty warriors of Egypt, come, all you allies from Ethiopia, Libya, and Lydia, who are skilled with the shield and bow. For this is the day of the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, a day of vengeance on his enemies. The sword will devour until it is satisfied, yes, until it is drunk with your blood. The Lord, the the Lord of heaven's armies, will receive a sacrifice today in the north country beside the Euphrates River. Go up to Gilead to get medicine, O virgin daughter of Egypt, but your many treatments will bring you no healing. The nations have heard of your shame. The earth is filled with your cries of despair. Your mightiest warriors will run into each other and fall down together. 
Then the Lord gave the prophet Jeremiah this message about King Nebuchadnezzar's plans to attack Egypt. Shout it out in Egypt. Publish it in the cities of Migdal, Memphis, and Tapanes. Mobilize for battle, for the sword will devour everyone around you. Why have your warriors fallen? They cannot stand, for the Lord has knocked them down. They stumble and fall over each other and say among themselves, Come, let's go back to our people, to the land of our birth. Let's get away from the sword of the enemy. There they will say, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is a loudmouth who missed his opportunity. As surely as I live, says the king, whose name is the Lord of Heaven's armies, Yahweh Savayot, one is coming against Egypt, who is as tall as Mount Tabor, or as Mount Carmel by the sea. Pack up! Get ready to leave for exile, you citizens of Egypt. The city of Memphis will be destroyed without a single inhabitant. Egypt is as sleek as a beautiful young cow, but a horsefly from the north is on its way. Egypt's mercenaries have become like fattened calves. They, too, will turn and run, for it is a day of great disaster for Egypt, a time of great punishment. Egypt flees, silent as a serpent gliding away. The invading army marches in. They come against her with axes like woodsmen. They will cut down her people like trees, says the Lord, for they are more numerous than locusts. Egypt will be humiliated. She will be handed over to people from the north. The Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says, I will punish Ammon, the God of Thebes, and all the other gods of Egypt. I will punish its rulers and Pharaoh too, and all who trust in him. I will hand them over to those who want them killed, to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and his army. But afterward the land will recover from the ravages of war. I, the Lord, have spoken. But do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant. Do not be dismayed, Israel, for I will bring you home again from distant lands, and your children will return from their exile. Israel will return to a life of peace and quiet, and no one will terrorize them. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant, for I am with you, says the Lord. I will completely destroy the nations to which I have exiled you, but I will not completely destroy you. I will discipline you, but with justice. I cannot let you go unpunished. A Message About Philistia This is the Lord's message to the prophet Jeremiah concerning the Philistines of Gaza before it was captured by the Egyptian army. This is what the Lord says. A flood is coming from the north to overflow the land. It will destroy the land and everything in it, cities and people alike. People will scream in terror, and everyone in the land will wail. Hear the clatter of stallions' hooves and the rumble of wheels as the chariots rush by. Terrified fathers run madly without a backward glance at their helpless children. The time has come for the Philistines to be destroyed, along with their allies from Tyre and Sidon. Yes, the Lord is destroying the remnant of the Philistines, those colonists from the island of Crete. 
Gaza will be humiliated, its head shaved, bald. Ashkelon will lie silent. You remnant from the Mediterranean coast, how long will you lament and mourn? Now, O sword of the Lord, when will you be at rest again? Go back into your sheath, rest, and be still. But how can it be still when the Lord has sent it on a mission? For the city of Ashkelon and the people living along the coast must be destroyed. 2 Timothy 2, 22-3, Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone and be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends and be reckless and be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. These teachers oppose the truth just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith, but they won't get away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with Janus and Jambres. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Yeshua will suffer persecution. But evil people and impostors will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. 
You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Yeshua. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Psalm 94, 1-23 O Lord, the God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, let your glorious justice shine forth. Arise, O judge of the earth, give the proud what they deserve. How long, O Lord, how long will the wicked be allowed to gloat? How long will they speak with arrogance? How long will these evil people boast? They crush your people, Lord, hurting those you claim as your own. They kill widows and foreigners and murder orphans. The Lord isn't looking, they say, and besides, the God of Israel doesn't care. Think again, you fools. When will you actually finally catch on? Is he deaf, the one who made your ears? Is he blind, the one who formed your eyes? He punishes the nations. Won't he also punish you? He knows everything. Doesn't he also know what you are doing? The Lord knows people's thoughts. He knows they are worthless. Joyful are those you discipline, Lord, those you teach with your instructions. You give them relief from troubled times until a pit is dug to capture the wicked. The Lord will not reject his people. He will not abandon his special possession. Judgment will again be founded on justice, and those with virtuous hearts will pursue it. Who will protect me from the wicked? Who will stand up for me against evildoers? Unless the Lord had helped me, I would soon have settled in the silence of the grave. I cried out, I am slipping, but your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. Can unjust leaders claim that God is on their side? Leaders whose decrees permit injustice? They gang up against the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord is my fortress. My God is the mighty rock where I hide. God will turn the sins of evil people back on them. He will destroy them for their sins. The Lord our God will destroy them. Proverbs 26, 6-8 Trusting a fool to convey a message is like cutting off one's feet or drinking poison. A proverb in the mouth of a fool is as useless as a paralyzed leg. Honoring a fool is as foolish as tying a stone to a slingshot. I want to speak to you today from our Torah portion in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, and then we're going to jump into the Brit teaching from Second Timothy chapter 2. There were many things covered in the Torah portion today, but I want to zoom in on the creation of Eve and the first marriage. Genesis 
is the book of firsts, the first man, the first woman, the first sin, the first murder, the first child, many, many firsts. But let's zoom in now on Genesis chapter 2, verse 22 to 25. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. So, there's a very deep, sowed-level teaching from those verses. This is literally talking on the surface about Adam and Eve, but it's also talking about something much deeper. In the word sheet, the very first word found in Genesis 1.1, in Hebrew, the word is sheet, and the first letter is bar, or the first bait. And bait, the letter bait means house. And the next letter is resh, and this is talking about, you can make the word bar, so that the word bar means son. And so the father made a house for his son. And then another word that's broken out from Breshit is Reshit, and Reshit means covenant. So the father made a house for his son, and the house would be built upon covenant. And then Reshit also means first fruit. And Israel is the first fruit or the firstborn. The Torah is the first fruit or the firstborn. And Yeshua is the first fruit and the firstborn. And so, in the beginning, in that very word, the very first word in the Bible, in Hebrew, Breshit, uh, you, as you unpack it letter by letter and word, words within the word, Basically, what it tells us in the Hebrew picture language is, in the beginning, God made a house for his son, and this house was based upon covenant, and it was made for the sake of the firstborn, or the first fruit. And for the sake of the firstborn and the first fruit, for the sake of the Torah, the Messiah, and Israel. So in the beginning, they were all one, the Torah, the Messiah, and Israel, his people, they were all one in the beginning. So, coming back to this verse from Genesis 2.24, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. A man leaves his father. Yeshua, the son, leaves his father in heaven. And he, Yeshua, is joined to his wife, Israel. His wife, the church, and the two are united into one. So, I'm going to cross-reference that now to Ephesians chapter 5. And in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. 
of his flesh and of his bones, just like Eve was flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Yeshua and the church. So, this is speaking in Genesis chapter 2 about Adam and Eve, but it's also speaking about Yeshua and the church. That the church is bone of his bones, and flesh of his flesh, and Yeshua left his father in heaven. He came down to the earth. He put on flesh. He became a man and lived a human life and never sinned. Why? So he could lay down his life for his bride. He died on the tree so she would have a pathway, a way to reconnect with the father through Yeshua, his blood and his death on the cross, allows her to repent and to return to the Father so that the two could become one flesh. Now I want to jump into Second Timothy. And there was a lot of really good stuff in this chapter today. In fact, a couple of these passages are really one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. And one of them, beginning in verse 23. Again I say, Don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone and be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change their hearts and they will learn the truth. Beloved, we need to take these words to heart. And we need to practice them and apply them and obey them. Too many times we see church splits. We say, we see divisions and harsh words are spoken. Hasty judgments are made. People's hearts harden and people walk away and leave fellowships over silly things. This is carnal. This is saying that we must not quarrel but must be kind to everyone. And we need to be patient with difficult people. Do you have any difficult people in your life? Perhaps somebody at work, a co-worker or a boss, or perhaps somebody in your congregation or your fellowship, a difficult person, perhaps who maybe they tend to be judgmental or finger-pointing or critical or haughty, arrogant, a know-it-all. Maybe they treat you like you're invisible, like you're not even there. Maybe you have a difficult spouse or a difficult child. But God is saying here that we are to be patient and kind to everyone, especially the difficult people. And beloved, maybe you are the difficult person. Maybe I can be a difficult person to some people. 
And so others have to be patient and kind with me or with you. So this is saying we need to be gentle and kind and gently instruct those who oppose us. And perhaps God will change their heart. So may we walk. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Gentleness, kindness, and self-control. Those are three fruits of the Spirit. And so, Abba, that is our heart. Help us to walk in the fruits of the Spirit, in our interactions with people. Then it goes on to say in chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, You know, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. You know, love and forgiveness go together hand in hand. Inevitably, when you love someone, there's going to be times when they hurt you. There's going to be times when they offend you. There's going to be times when they drop the ball and they let you down or they say or do something that just hurts your feelings. And so the oil that keeps the gears going in a relationship is forgiveness. We cannot keep a record of wrongs or hold offenses and oughts against people. And if we do, if we're unforgiving, then the love goes out the window. When we purpose and choose to forgive those in our life who've hurt us and wounded us, it frees us to be able to still love them in spite of it. And so this is really a portrait of a lot of the culture that we live in today. Uh, people who love money and love self and, and are self-centered. Um, so... We need to be the opposite of what this passage is talking about. We need to be humble and loving and forgiving. We need to avoid Lashon Hara or slandering and gossiping and speaking negatively about others. You know, people sometimes justify gossip and slander. They say, well, these things I'm saying about so-and-so, it's true. They really did leave their wife for another woman. Or they really did do this and that and the other. Well, yes, it's true. But um, it is slandering the person to even speak of such things. And God forbids us to be talking like this. This is uh, the evil mouth. It's unclean speech. And so it's better to be silent and to pray for the person. Uh, and if... The situation deems itself if you have a relationship with that person and they're caught up in a sin rather than talking about that sin behind their back to other people. Instead, we're to do Matthew 18, 15, we're to go to that person and um, have a conversation with them and say, hey, beloved, um, I see that you're caught up in a sin and um, how can I help you? 
I want to see you be restored. It's easy to point our finger at the sins of others, but Abba would have us to take those ten fingers and point them at ourselves, to look at our own sin and to do our own repentance and not to point the finger at others, but to really do much self-repentance. So pride is what gets puffed up and what makes people blind to sin and why they don't repent. Pride is the big barrier. But when we repent of pride, then the Lord can reveal to us other sins behind the wall of pride. Finally, our last verse I want to reflect on with you is from first timothy three sixteen second timothy three sixteen all scripture is god breathed inspired by god and is useful to teach us what is true to make us realize what is wrong in our lives it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right god uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work this is so true All scripture is God-breathed. It wasn't made up by man. It came from the mind and the heart of God the Father. And it was meticulously copied, carefully copied, you know, from one generation to the next by the Jewish people, the scribes, um, as they would write it in Hebrew on the Torah scrolls. And it, it is accurate. It is something that you can base your life upon. So, Abba, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the giving of your word, the giving of your Torah, and that it shows us the path of life, that your word, your Torah, is the tree of life. It is the tree of life that was in the Garden of Eden. It is the tree of life that we will one day get to taste from the fruit of in heavenly Jerusalem. It is the tree of life whose leaves bring healing to the nations. We thank you for your word. And as we take it in each day and and it gets planted and deposited into our heart, may your word grow and thrive within us. May we walk in obedience to it. We thank you for Yeshua, who is the word of God made flesh. We thank you for him. And that through him, we have right relationship with the Father. We treasure your word. We thank you for it. We bless you. In Yeshua's name. Amen. The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.